Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Murder and Mediumship. I'm your host, Catherine Ann. And before I get started today, I'd like to ask for a favor. If you guys are enjoying what you're hearing, if you're liking this podcast even a little bit, I would love if you would go submit a review on iTunes or hit follow or subscribe on whatever platform it is that you're listening. I also want to let you know that if you're looking for more information or to actually connect with the people that we discuss in these cases, then go ahead and head to my Patreon in at www.patreon.com slash Intuitive and join in in our closer community full of spiritual growth, uh, introspection, and connecting with the darker side as well. And on that note, we're going to get right to it. I don't know if this is such a well-known case, but someone asked me to look into it And as soon as I saw this woman's picture, I felt drawn in. Her name is Jennifer Kessie, and she was 23 years old when she went missing. You can tell by the light in Jennifer's eyes that she was just someone you had to be around. Someone who was full of energy and drive and vigor and zest for life. Full of love and adventure. And on January 24th, 2006, I tried to say 2026, 2006, This young, driven finance manager at a timeshare company in Orlando, Florida, didn't show up for work, which for her was highly unusual. According to the documentary that her parents were involved in about finding Jennifer, her father said that she was actually promoted three times in a year within this company. She was very motivated and people knew her and knew that she was going to go all the way to the top in whatever she did. She had just returned home from a long weekend in St. Croix and stayed one night at her boyfriend's house in South Florida and then drove back up to Orlando about a couple hours away, I believe it was. So She and her boyfriend were in a a long-distance relationship, and they only saw each other on weekends, and they tried to make the most of every weekend they had together. So they actually flew um, from where he's from to St. Croix with a couple of friends, and then they flew back. And I guess there is some discrepancy about this in the media. There are some who claim that they were on a cruise, but there was no cruise involved. And on jennifercassie.com, a website operated by her parents, that is something that they um, choose to make very clear to whoever is reading that. So I wanted to be sure to include that for you guys. So evidently she didn't show up for work. And when she didn't show up and she hadn't spoke to her boyfriend that morning, he called work looking for her. She wasn't there, which was very peculiar, but she was so, so punctual that when she wasn't there, her boss actually called her parents called her family to see what was going on. I mean, that's that really speaks to a person's character, that they're even a few minutes to an hour late and you're looking for them with fear because you know how dedicated they are to what they were doing and to their job. So her employer had called her family and her family started trying to get a hold of her via her cell phone, from her phone in her condo in Orlando, and they were trying to get a hold of her via like even email. So 9.57 p.m. the night before, Monday, 
was the last time that anyone had heard from her. This is about the time she had got off the phone with her boyfriend. She had already spoken to her mom and her dad and her brother. They were very close family. And she just didn't show up the next morning. So her family heads to her condo in Orlando. And it's about an hour and a half drive, and I can't even imagine what they were going through during that time. And I really recommend that you look up her disappeared episode on investigation discovery because seeing her family and the love that they have for her, it's so it's so heartbreaking, but it's also so touching to see what a close family they are. So when they get to her apartment, to her condo, excuse me, everything looks completely normal and in perfect order. And what's even crazier is that the towel on her bed is still damp. She still has clothes laid out from what she was planning on wearing to work that day or had chosen differently. She had a couple of outfits laid out and then she would have left work around 7.30. But that seems to be when everything stops, when no one knows what happened from that point on. Her parents go to the police. The police actually don't ignore them. I believe they had given them some sort of stipulation about time, but they were taking them very seriously, which is so lucky for those of you who follow lots of different crime podcasts or crime TV. You know that it's so common that police will just say, well, they'll show up. They'll show up. They had a fight with their boyfriend. They'll show up. So her family, knowing that they had to wait and that it probably was insinuated that that she had a fight with her boyfriend and she'll show up, they had flyers printed and handed out at some of the busiest intersections near her home by 4.30 p.m. that day. She was missing from 7.30 a.m. and by 4.30 that day, they were handing out flyers and giving them to anyone who would take them and posting them anywhere that they could. That dedication and love is just, it's unheard of and it's so beautiful. Now, two days later, unfortunately, around noon on the 26th of January, Her car was found abandoned in a condominium complex less than a mile and a half down the road on the same road as her condo. And this condo complex was called Green Condominiums. And I do want to let you know, in case this jogs someone's memory who was listening, it's on the corner of Texas and Americana Avenue in Orlando. So the car was parked there by the suspect. And the suspect is actually seen on video. They captured him on surveillance. However, every step he takes, and this will be put on the Patreon as well, so be sure to look for that link in the show notes, but every single step he takes and every time the camera picks him up, his face is blocked by an iron bar in the gate, so you can't see him or her. The police wouldn't even definitively say if it was male or female because they couldn't tell based on that security camera. So lucky break for the suspect, but essentially the camera picks him up, his face is hidden, and that is where we are 15 years later. Jennifer Kessie essentially vanished from the face of this planet with no trace. And now her parents are actually in charge of her case. No one in law enforcement is any is is taking care of it or looking out for it or investigating it any further at this point. And initially when I felt into her case, it's kind of frightening because the very first thing that I felt The first two words that I heard were abducted and painter. So if we rewind a little bit to the beginning of this, the condominium that she was staying in was an apartment condo conversion. So it was in the middle of having all of the apartments in it converted into condos. 
and there was a lot of construction going on there. So Jennifer had expressed to friends, to her family, to her boyfriend, that the people who were working there made her uncomfortable, that they would catcall her sometimes. They would stare at her. Just We've all been looked at in a way that has made us feel a little creeped out, right? It just didn't feel right. Something was off about it. And as I feel into this case, and before I really look into any information around it, what I see is two men, and you can find footage, especially on the documentary, you can find footage of what the condo complex looks like. And this is so feasible and it's so sad. I almost get upset when I when I feel that what I saw actually makes sense when I put video to it that is out there because it means that I'm probably right. So, and I don't want to be right, but I do think that she's alive. And I think that what happened is that two men who had been watching her, one of them was a painter who was working in the complex. And mind you, a lot of these workers were illegals. So when they, when police came to the complex looking, they scrammed. They did not want to get caught and get deported or anything like that. So there was no one to even ask about it, which is even more unfortunate. So she opened the door to go to work. And I believe that what happened is that someone immediately grabbed her by the arm and pushed her back into the condo where they then put something over her face. And I believe that they drugged her. I also think that they were, they were waiting for her and they were planning this and they saw her Monday decided this was definitely happening the next day. And that's when they went for it. She was taken by total surprise and had no time to react. She was overpowered. So I believe that they silenced her and I do not think that she's dead. Like I said, I think that what I'm seeing is a van at the end of like a hallway in the complex. It would have been parked like behind it. And I think that they used painting supplies to essentially wrap her in like a tarp or something like that and carry her off to the car, to the van that was waiting for them. And what I'm seeing too is that the one man grabbed her by the wrist and pushed her into the condo and the other had like a painter's bucket, but it had a rag with chloroform on it and put it over her face. So she was out immediately. So from there, they took her to this van. And I think that it was, like I said, two men who one drove the van to the second location and the second took her vehicle and parked it elsewhere. I do not believe that her vehicle was parked in the same location that she was taken to. These two would not have shown up for work the next day because number one, they didn't need to. And number two, I believe they were getting ready to skip town again. I think that she was sold into a trafficking circle. I think that there was a payout for these two, whether it was a debt to be paid or just money to be made. I believe that they sold her into trafficking. I also believe that they took her to Mexico. I believe she's still in Mexico and that, like I just said, she is still alive. The hardest part is knowing that what I'm seeing is that she was like taken better care of as this person who was trafficked into the circle because she was so beautiful and because she was someone who they almost held in like higher regard, if you can be held in higher regard in that way. But she was taken to be someone specific, like someone higher up in this like drug trafficking and like human trafficking circle who used her specifically 
for whatever sexual endeavors he was he was using her for. I believe she was kept as healthy as he possibly could keep her without making her like a flight risk. But I also think that he was keeping her drugged so she wouldn't have been able to leave. I think that he kept her hydrated. I think that he kept her fed because it was important to him that she was in her best like quote working order. And when he was done with her in that way, as she got too old for him, so to speak, I think that he essentially moved her over, which feels like a very lucky thing. And by moved her over, I mean she actually took on another role, whether that was cleaning or or whatever would look like servitude. But she wasn't killed for whatever reason. And I know that sounds really strange and off, but this is what I'm seeing. So I think that she was used by the one particular dealer, and I do think she is still in Mexico. And when I feel into it, again, I really think that she is somewhere on like the southeastern part of Mexico, like on the coast. I'm not even sure. I'm terrible with geography. I couldn't tell you exactly what that looks like, but I can tell you that it feels like it's the southeast part of Mexico. It feels like it would be somewhere where there could even be a lot of tourists because they would take and traffic people from there as well. And it feels like something that is like a trafficking circle that's still in operation. And the person who she was taken for is still very much in charge of this ring. I think that this is a really good opportunity to talk about human trafficking as well, because I don't believe that a lot of cities in the States understand that this is a very real problem. I myself live in a beach community, and I know that it is so easy to take children, to take women, to take men as well, I'm sure, but to take unsuspecting people and to load them onto a car, onto a van, into whatever, and have them onto a cargo ship before anyone would even know it. So I think we need to remember to be very vigilant of our surroundings, especially as women, and teach your children to be very aware. And if you do watch the documentary on ID, you will see that her father talks about the safety that they instilled in their children and that she is someone who knew how to protect herself, which makes this even more tragic because she was someone who felt so prepared for anything but was just overtaken by surprise and overpowered by by size and by force. So at this point, I do not believe that she will really be found But like I said, she's somewhere on the southeast coast of Mexico. I am not geographically very knowledgeable or inclined. Evidently, I don't speak English very well today either. I think, though, that she is someone who also looks out for the younger girls, almost like she she is like the caretaker. She is the one who is supposed to be there, making sure that everything runs smoothly. Like she's in more of... I don't want to say administrative, but almost like an administrative role. She is treated better than most of them would be. And she has been allowed to live longer than most of them have. If she does make it out of there, I I do see that the first thing she would do would be to return to Florida. But I think that it's worth saying again, that she is not the same person she was when she was taken And that when you feel uncomfortable, it is so important to speak up and stay aware of your surroundings. And don't be afraid to call for someone to walk you to your car or to be on the phone with you when you're walking to your car because you just never know what could happen anywhere 
you should feel safest at your home. And that is likely exactly where she was taken from. So stay vigilant, my friends. Stay vigilant and stay safe. And I'll be back next week with another episode of Murder and Mediumship.